0: And I'm Taylor. It's July twenty fourth, twenty seventeen,
1: and Yager still hasn't been signed. Somehow, it's Yager Watch twenty seventeen.
0: Twenty three days into it so far, and uh, no Yager signing. But Girardi has a contract for some reason. I'm gonna keep harping on that. I There's can't a believe-
1: lot of people, Maya, who you could insert in Girardi's spot. Let's just say that.
0: Yeah, that's true. It just makes me sad, you know. Yager had this whole redemption arc and everything, and
1: I just don't. I don't. I still don't understand it. I don't understand why, with the levels that he was producing at last year, hasn't been signed.
0: I think it's a mystery for the ages. But here's hoping that he gets a contract soon.
1: You gonna yeah. come back. <laughs> you better. I'll please be sad come to
0: back. <laughs> so, onto the news. We have the Pareco signing, which happened recently, which I'm a little sad about because I was hoping we'd get some drama and someone would try to offer sheet him. Well, the I Leafs was like, cough cough.
1: If well. We already know that we're both team offer sheet here, but it was surprising to me because we had just been talking about how far off he was from what the Blues were offering, and then two days later he was signed. Yeah, I feel like
0: that tends to happen because teams realize they can't lose these guys.
1: I I wanted more drama out of the situation for sure.
0: I mean, we still have some chances for offer sheets. Come on, someone offer sheet Pasternak,
1: Dreisaitl. I want a do dry offer sheet more than anything, because it would put them in the biggest bind, put the Oilers in the biggest bind, if somebody offers a sheet at dry because of the McDavid contract, and because of all the other contracts, like Lucic and Russell, and it'd just be great. I need, I need one offer sheet this off-season. It's not going to happen. Although, I do remember seeing someone, someone
0: talking about GMs considering offer sheets in the next coming years because of the... Uh U- UFA market is getting worse and worse. But well I somebody I won't believe it if I see it.
1: One GM, like one undisclosed GM during the season last season said that if somebody offers sheeted one of my guys, I'm gonna offer sheet every one guy of theirs every summer for the next like however many years I'm a GM. Okay,
0: but So <laughs> <laughs> So many people have made this same point before, but it's stupid not to offer sheet because you're basically saying, I'm not gonna do anything to try to stop you. From signing this amazing player For to a really good cheap, deal, yeah. When, you, especially when it's someone in your division, like how could you not try to offer sheet them? Yeah, sure, they're going to try get... to screw you back. But then you can just try to screw them back too. It should be competitive. It mm-hmm. should be people trying to stab each other in the back.
1: Then you get situations though like Shea Weber's contract, which is the like, direct result of an offer sheet. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, it's where do you where do you gamble with that?
0: I don't know. I still think it just makes things more interesting. And as we all know, hockey and the people who run it are incredibly boring.
1: So yeah, I need never more gonna happen. excitement in my life, especially during the off season.
0: Oh, God, Make the off
1: season exciting. Let's go. It's been really slow this year. I'm gonna be honest. Um. <laughs> yeah. We have. Where's Arvidsen. the Nylander
0: extension? I'm starting to get a little worried. I mean, I know it's like a year out and it's extension, or whatever. You're but the like,
1: only one I think who's worried about this currently.
0: Okay, yeah, <laughs> probably,
1: but I would still like an extension. Just make it happen, guys. I'm looking forward to because we're two for two right now in episodes in which you've mentioned him. I'm looking forward to seeing how you slide him into conversation. Oh, in every single episode. <laughs> episode, I slide him. Up. Into, I slide
0: him into every conversation I ever have because I love him and I would die for him. But besides the point, um. Uh, what about the ask from Dumo's uh, Brian Dumoulin's camp against the Pens' offer? It's pretty so pretty big difference. There's
1: like two ways to look at it, and there's the way to look at it like he's crazy because of how much he's offering and that he's like selfish or whatever. Whatever spin negatively you want to put on that, you can.
0: But I, I mean, think I it, think the way his camp is looking at it is that he's played on the top pair for the past two Stanley Cups because they've had some injuries and they've had some problems going on with their defense, but they're not looking at it like that. They're looking at him playing on the top pair for the past two Stanley Cups, even if he hasn't necessarily contributed that much.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it was Mike Darnay who pointed it out, but players can ask for whatever they want. That's true. Like, if you're bartering for something or you're trading for something, why would you not set your first ask high? That's true. And then come down. Like, leave room to come down. If yeah. you're if you're trying to avoid arbitration and you have room to argue, you need to set your first price point high.
0: That's true. Just like so, if you're bartering, you know, any, like, if you're at a market and you're bartering for something, like, you always have to go, like, lower or higher or yeah, whatever. Yeah, or if you, want. like,
1: are selling a house, like, your first yeah. offer is normally high, is normally lower if you're the buyer, but if you're the seller,
0: you want to go as high as you possible. You want to get as
1: high as possible. Yeah. His his ask is is a little high though. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I don't think it's realistic at all.
0: I've seen uh, well, that's projection from Matt Cain's salary model that had him at two point four seven, which personally I think is pretty reasonable for him. You know, I could see him going a little bit higher, maybe somewhere around like two point seven five three. Might be a little high, but uh, you know, over four—that's ridiculous.
1: Did it say anywhere the term that he wanted?
0: No, I haven't seen anything about the term. So
1: that's also interesting. We're cause yeah. we're in the, like, era where term is almost just as important sometimes as the cap hit.
0: Oh, yeah, especially in, you know, a physical game, you can get injured, you want security.
1: Yep. Especially uh, with defensemen who sometimes mature early, sometimes mature late. Defensemen's yeah. games are always kind of up in the air.
0: Yeah. And then you have Zabinajad. Uh, who probably should be getting the higher contract and is getting kind of low-balled. Um, he, I, know, I saw I think, some, well, I some projections think... of him versus Broussard, and that he's probably going to be a more productive player than Broussard last year, next year, and they did get you know, directly traded for each other, so that's a good uh, model to go off of, that um, he'll probably have better projection than Broussard next year, and he's probably going to get paid exponentially lower, which is a bit ridiculous.
1: I don't think that his. what the team's offering him is that ridiculous, honestly.
0: No, I think it's solid, but.
1: They're about. so, like, the team's offering him roughly 4.1 million, and he's asking for about 5.35, but that's about a million apart, and I don't think that 4.1 is unrealistic.
0: No, I could, you know. If he's, like, really wants more, I would definitely fork over, like, 4.5 for him. Yeah,
1: because. And what's not helping his case is like his season last season was fifty six games instead of the full, eighty two. But, but he still had
0: good production in the two. Yeah, Sanics.
1: but so but still you can as the team you can argue though like, you, we could have seen a dip in production or more fluctuation with a longer season. So
0: it's not like the center does really have like anybody else though. So yeah, I don't but I but it's not really for the know Senators, what they for the
1: Rangers. I don't really know what they're missing out. Or
0: Jeff. <laughs> I forgot that they got traded. Oh God. Um and uh yeah. the preds have somehow continued to work their sorcery and magic with that Arvinson deal. It's pretty good.
1: Especially for how big he was for them in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and to lock him down forever too. Like the Predators have they have a much better idea it seems than a lot of other teams about how players age. And exactly when to lock them into their contracts, except for the whole Shea Weber deal. But, yeah,
1: but they traded him before his contract got bad. So technically <laughs> they still understand that they needed to trade yeah. his ass before. Yeah, they seem to
0: have a really good idea of how players age and, you know, when players when different kinds of players peak and whatnot and how to really get the most bang for their buck. Um another team that has done really well and that has been the Lightning. Although I'm still skeptical of the Lightning right now because Dan Retty, so
1: You're not gonna let Dan Girardi go, are you? It's so stupid. Like and I
0: think (laughs) I think Eiserman is a really smart guy. I think he's done a lot of smart things. And then every once in a while he just does something so stupid and I I just don't understand how he operates.
1: I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Okay.
0: Next on to the coyotes and what the heck is going on with them right now?
1: You're asking the right questions with no answers.
0: And I'm asking the right person.
1: I don't know about that. (laughs) My interest in the Coyotes has gone downhill quite a bit. Since they signed Nick Cousins and Um,
0: traded away Connor Murphy.
1: Yeah, pretty much there. Um, So, quick rundown. If we just want to run down with the list of changes that has happened. Smith is gone to the Calgary Flames. Mm -hmm. Doan's just gone.
0: Mm -hmm. And they brought in Zach Ronaldo to replace his elbows to the head for 60. Oh.
1: Zach Reinado signed. Um, yep. Tippett's gone. Playfair quit shortly after. Uh Verbata left to go to the Panthers. Um, Hansel signed with the Wild or with the Stars. Yeah. And Yalmerson ran to Stepaner in. Cousins. Cousins.
0: Unfortunately.
1: Rick Tockett is the new head coach. Steve Patterson's the new CEO and president. And Sheka has been. Pre- uh, promoted to hockey ops, president of hockey ops. Yeah, and he's getting married soon. He is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot going on with the Coyotes this off season. Most seems to be good. Some, depending on how the timeline runs, could be bad in the long term.
0: You wanna expound upon that?
1: Um. Well, I think. Okay. So Smith being gone needed to happen. Yeah. I don't think that he was a sustainable first goalie.
0: Although um, he did have that insane game last year where he made, like, 58 saves or whatever. Okay, that so
1: that's what he does, though. Ridiculous. So every time he goes on, like, a super bad stretch, and, like, you get to the point where you're like, okay, Smith has to go sometime, right? Then he comes in, he has, like, an amazing game, and everybody is like, oh my god, Mike Smith, like, Olympic gold medalist Mike Smith. Mike Smith and did then not play a that, single game in the Olympics to win that gold medal. Can we just... He highlight makes that, that that goal at the all-star
0: game and
1: <laughs> I wanted to shoot myself when that happened. So just like even like not even personality wise, just from a statistical point of view, I'm not a fan of Mike Smith as a starting goalie. That's, and yeah. I didn't think that he necessarily deserved to be the Coyotes all-star last season. I think it should have been Verbata. So for them to him to go on and to score that goal in the all-star game, I was like, okay, cool. So not everybody who loves Smith is going to talk about him for the next five years.
0: Roboto was far um, and away their best player last yeah.
1: year. so for him to not go to the All-Star game just made me upset to begin with. But no, so Smith being gone, because like, that's what he did. So last season, the season before this last season, when he was hurt, he came back and then posted, like, two shutouts. So that was annoying. So, like, he has good swings. Like, he's been a good goalie in swings. I mean, he took them to the 2012 finals our uh, Western Conference Finals. I always forget that happened. he's just not, like, since then he's, like, just not consistent. So I don't know what Calgary thinks they're getting in him. That's for them to figure out. They think they're getting a guy who made 58 saves in a game. But I think, yeah, so he faced all those shots, and, like, that didn't help people see how bad he actually is last season was how bad the defense was for the coyotes that let through all those shots. How bad the whole team was. It yeah, this last year the coyotes were not good. Watching games <laughs> with them was painful and I okay, went tried being at every game. I went to every home game last season.
0: I only went to two but they were bad.
1: Um so but yeah, so Smith out, uh anti Ranta coming in, huge upgrade. Um uh, yeah. really excited to see what he can do. Hopefully really he's going to be the starter, everyone thinks he is. I'm pretty sure he's going to be the starter. Uh, Domingue had some confidence issues and some really unsteady, un- inconsistent play last season. So I think unless he, like, drastically increases and hits every single one of his starts that he gets this next season, I don't think that he'll be a starter. Yeah. Uh, Don's gone. There's a lot of yes, no, maybe so feelings on this. Personally, from my opinion, I think it was a good hockey move. I think it needed to happen. I agree with you. I think at some point... Here's my... It's not like they're a team that's doing really well. It's not like the Coyotes have a solidified place in Arizona that obviously they're never going to go anywhere. They're not the Blackhawks where, like, Chicago loves them. It, like, you have to at some point... It's like pruning the bush to make the bush grow again where you have to, like, cut off the dead leaves in order for the flowers to grow. Like...
0: Does that mean the flowers are Dylan Because that's an ugly flower.
1: I don't know. Don't don't ask me what the flowers are, but <laughs> Dome was a leaf that needed to go. <laughs> um, At least he's not going to the Leafs. No, he's. I don't think he's gonna go anywhere. I just think, I think I said like you can't. I've said it on Twitter. You cannot discredit what Don has done for, for hockey, hockey and in Arizona. Like you cannot discredit it, and just from being here, first person. From when you talk to people about who their favorite player is, almost Don is almost every single time Doan. If you ask about how people got into hockey, it's the Coyotes. So, and don has been the face of the franchise now. I mean,
0: even if you look at Austin Matthews, like he says his yeah. role model is don.
1: Well, and then Although, like, didn't Breer, he say it was Danny Breer Danny when Breer. he was younger? <laughs> well, because that's when Breer still played here. Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, you can't, like, the one thing you can't argue with Don is you cannot discredit what he has done for. The organization and what he's done For hockey in Arizona But at some point you have to look at it As if do you let go And do you let the team continue to succeed Because he had a great season Two seasons ago probably arguably in my opinion Should have retired after two seasons ago Gone think, out on a high note Yeah I think he's still chasing a thousand points I think he's just a few points away But if he had the same season he'd have He had this last season he still wouldn't hit a thousand points In one more season yeah. So I just think that he was something that need to go um, I think his departure, though, and then ultimately uh, Murphy's departure led to Tippett being gone. Yeah, which I also think was a change that needed to happen. I think so as well. I think I at know, some point when things I know that yeah. I had heard
0: that a lot of the young guys didn't really get along with Tippett, and that he'd been having issues with front office staff as well. So I think it was just a so, long time coming.
1: It was just like weird because so in the span of like the the past like season and a half. Tippett got more power when Maloney was fired, and got more power there, and then went on to coach Team North America and did mm-hmm. fine with them. But then came back and had trouble with the younger players here. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but I think it was a change that needed to be made. Play for I think left because Tippett was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Verba leaving was kind of sucky. Like, I would have preferred to have. I do not because well, the veteran on the team now. If I'm doing math correctly is Golagoski.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: And then maybe Brad Richardson. Yeah. So with that I think that Verbata would have been a good veteran presence in the sense that he was still producing really consistently. He was the highest producing member of the team last season and he still had that like offensive drive that would have helped the younger kids. And then Yalmerson ran test upon obviously all great additions. Yeah. I think nobody can argue that they added value. I think it's gonna come down to I don't think that the trade is going to be a loss for the Coyotes anyway. They lost D'Angelo, which I don't think was a huge loss, unless he t- somehow turns into like a top w- three defenseman league.
0: And I don't stops think it's a being huge... a racist.
1: That too. That is also <laughs> an issue. Um, so unless that happens, I don't think it's going to be a huge loss for them. Yalmerson, I guess, if Yalmerson continues to produce at the level that he does and does it for a few more years, great. If he doesn't and he has a decline and Murphy succeeds... In Chicago then that's a trade I think that can be questioned because I don't think that Murphy ever got a full a fair shot here so we'll see that's like a trade that you, I think you have to wait and see yeah. um, and then yeah talk it coach don't know how to feel about that yet I have to wait to see how the system works um, Patterson CEO president is just important because he was ASU's athletic director and is known for getting arenas built and funded and that's probably why they brought him on as the CEO and president yep yep absolutely and yeah, okay. that's my <laughs> breakdown of what the heck is so going on So we're still not priorities? exactly sure what
0: they're doing, but I think they're moving in a positive yeah, direction. Yeah, we will see. Um, to go back to last week, we had a conversation about the CWHL and the expansion in China.
1: Some more um, information has come up about that.
0: Yeah, some information came up. So they had said that there was going to be a second team in China, then there was no post about it from the official CWHL account, then there was a tweet, then it was deleted, then there was yeah. There was deleted
1: that when I remember I texted you and I was like, "Yo, that tweet's deleted." I mean, it was just after we had just recorded.
0: Yeah. Um. It had, So finally, some more information came out from Joe Pack, who's at Joe Pack P A C K on Twitter. Um. He said that he and Hannah be- Beavis from the Ice Garden had a chat with the CWHL league source, um, and they heard that there is going to be a new lengthened schedule for the CWHL. Uh, a 28 game schedule that includes two Chinese teams. Um, each North American team will play four games in China. Uh, the teams will travel to China for nine days over two weekends to play these games. There has, however, been no other information about the second Chinese team, including what it may be. Th- I think the, the deleted tweet said what the new team was. No, it didn't. Being,
1: it just said it that they were going to announce a new team in China.
0: There was no name. There's no information about who might play on it. There's really been no information beyond these few tweets from Joe Pack.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that it's happening this year in a year where centralization is a thing.
0: So yeah. You
1: have like people going to the national teams who aren't going to be able to play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to see it until I believe it, or believe it until I see it.
0: Yeah. So still, everything's very up in the air with that. We have no real confirmation of anything. Um, Hillary Knight did a AMA on Reddit the other day and she when asked if she thought that the NWHL and CHL might combine in the near future to make one league, she said she didn't think so, but she didn't believe that now there was a reason to have two leagues yeah, necessarily. She that it
1: no longer made sense for there to be two separate leagues.
0: That when they created the two separate leagues, it was to create sort of you know competition between the two in order to further the conditions and make things better um, and improve upon what was happening in the league but at this point that it doesn't make sense to have two and she would like to see some cooperation between the two leagues in the future. My
1: like my questionable aspect of that was the now part where mm -hmm. like now it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So what's changed? Is it the dispute over the wages? the drama that's come out because of these two separate leagues. Because so I feel like women's hockey was, like, definitely not as drama-full when there was just the CWHL. Mm-hmm. Obviously but that's just,
0: in part because there was no, you know, well, no push for anything because they didn't, like, part of, she was saying that part of the reason that they created the two leagues and that, you know, there was there's this difference and there's all this drama now is because there's a push for, you know, wages, there's a push for more games, there's a push for more fans and the like, which is, you know, what which ends I up agree. creating the drama.
1: Which I agree, but I don't feel like in a sense that the two leagues went into it with the whole, we, I mentioned it last week, but like the rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing yeah it was like very much like we want to overpower this league we want to be better than this league and so i don't think that like that it worked in their favor yeah i think that like a lot of people who i mean 100 percent. i think that the nwhl has created a lot more fans a lot more accessibility at least in the united states to competitive women's hockey and pro women's hockey but there's also now people who have been introduced to the game who are seeing it from the negative light of, like, all the money drama that the NWHL has had in the past two seasons. Yeah, it's... So it's like, do you weigh your pros, do you weigh your cons, which comes out on top. Yeah. But yeah, that was a very interesting comment from her, and the fact that, like, she said the now aspect, Mm -hmm. and that she's even commenting on it during centralization when she's not going to be playing this next season.
0: Yeah. I think it's... I think... What's coming in the next few years for both leagues is gonna be very interesting. Yeah, very
1: very interesting.
0: And I hope that, you know, it turns out for the best and that we do continue to have a quality women's hockey product. Because I think that's all I want it is important.
1: That's when Hannah and I whenever Hannah and I talk about it, Hannah Beavis, we're always just like, Why can't everybody just get along? <laughs> like it's like that scene in Mean Girls where they're like, why can't everybody just, like, bake a cake? Or it's like, but Why really, can't we bake
0: a cake out of rainbows
1: and smiles and eat it together and be happy? Literally, though, no. so, like, I just, especially with, like, something like women's hockey, all you want in the end is for it to succeed and to be sustainable and to be profitable and to just prove to everybody that that's what it can be. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just that's what, that's what you want in the end. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um... The Hurricanes might have a potential new owner soon. Uh, Chuck Greenberg, a lawyer, uh, has submitted a sheet to the NHL and to the Hurricanes to put in front of Peter Carmanos um, to buy the Hurricanes. Uh, He would not be buying the team himself, but he would be basically in charge of overseeing a group of investors in order to buy the team. He's not new to this. He's done this kind of thing a few times before. He helped Mario Lemieux save the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, he was point appointment on a deal to purchase the Atlanta Hawks, Thrashers, and Phillips Arena. And was briefly the managing partner of the Texas Rangers um, before focusing on minor league baseball teams in Frisco and Myrtle Beach. Um, he was ousted from the... Uh, management of the Rangers because he and his partners did not have the same vision for what the team should be. On his end he claimed that he wanted to invest more money and do more things bring fans about and that the other side did not want to do that and the other side did not have much comment on the issue besides they didn't see eye to eye. Um, he, The purchasing price for the team would be about 500 million dollars and would be taking on some debt that the team and the Carmanos family has accumulated um and so far everyone who's reported on it everyone who's talked about it and most of the opinions on it have been that he would be pretty good for the hurricanes um one of the issues that the hurricanes have is they have a small fan base and the fan base they do have is very loyal and very rabid but they do have a small fan base it is you know a non-traditional market and things have diminished over time as the team has not been very good um, there's not a lot of community interests and one of the things that Greenberg is very good at is fan engagement and involvement and you know really reaching out to the community um, there's a story that at the park for the Frisco Rough Riders he basically went to the fans and said if you could have anything in this uh, stadium what would it be and they said they wanted a lazy river so he made a lazy river which seems ridiculous but it's what the fans asked for, it's what he brought in, and he's had great success with the Frisco Riders in bringing in more fans for them. Um, the Bolts are another uh, non-traditional market team that have had a lot of, they have had a lot of success, and part of the reason for their success is that they're very involved in the community, they have charity events, street hockey, all sorts of things to reach out for the to the fans and bring them in and make them feel like, they really are part of the Tampa Bay community and hopefully this is what Greenberg could do in Raleigh um, as he does not plan to move the team which everyone is very thankful for Um, and I just I don't want to see that city lose their team because I know a lot of uh, Hurricanes fans and they really love that team and they love that city and it's so interesting to have this kind of southern non-traditional brand of hockey where you have tailgating before games and you know similar to how Nashville does their kind of thing
1: honestly I don't like seeing any place lose their hockey like regardless of if I like the team or like the market like a place losing their hockey team in a sense is like a failure of hockey yeah because it means that there's not enough people there who support it that they we could like that they couldn't get enough support. They couldn't draw enough fans and I feel like that just like is a failure of hockey. So like regardless of where it is, I'd like to see any market thrive enough to be able to stay there.
0: Yeah. And Raleigh is an up and coming city. There are some tech companies moving there. There's more people moving in. And the only sports team they have there right now is the Raleigh Durham Bulls, which are a minor league baseball team. So there's huge opportunity for this scenes to this team to succeed in Raleigh. It just Needs to be taken advantage of, and the community needs to be brought into it and made to feel like they're part of the team's, you know, success. And
1: so maybe this will this it's a lot of work.
0: I really hope it will because I know Chuck Greenberg really cares about the fans, and he pl- plans to move into Raleigh, which is something Peter Carmanos never did, and it never really seemed like Peter Carmanos cared about the community or the fans. So hopefully, this will really revitalize the team and their fan base, and it'll be really good for really good for uh, revitalizing the team in general. Cool. I'm excited for it.
1: Welcome to Rivalry Night, where the outliers take on the world.
0: If you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen me post the tweets from a bit of an argument I had this week with a locked Twitter account that calls himself the anonymous voice of reason for least fans. His argument was that women, there are less female reporters in sports because women are genetically predisposed to care about sports less than men. It kind of started because I asked him why there aren't more female reporters necessarily and he said women don't care as much about silly things like sports as they do about government. Um
1: yeah his like point which was really interesting when he was like I fully believe that there should be equal representation of men and women in Congress, but not in sports.
0: Which is a bit silly because his argument which was based in the fact that women Genetically, don't like the same things as men. Has been used before to exclude women from things like government, as well as people of color and trans folk. Um, so that that was really frustrating, and it also kind of played into the whole fun backhanded sexism of, oh, you know, women are smarter than men, women are better than men, blah blah blah. But I don't think that they should do this kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I when he called it silly it just i feel like it also counteracted his argument because if it's a silly thing then why do men get so invested and why is it okay for like men to be so invested in it if it's just a silly thing
0: yeah like, and that's exactly where the backhanded kind of sex is. yeah like you can't be
1: like oh sports are a silly thing which means that women can't be involved in it
0: and that's but also- it's
1: totally okay for men to be involved in silly things and be so saying, invested.
0: That's also saying that, you know, women's interests are never called silly. Like, he was saying that women are more disposed to care about things like fashion when often women who do care about things like fashion and makeup or, you know, boy bands or whatever are called silly all the time. So that argument in and of itself
1: is so- yeah, often, like, because often when, like, women are, because just in general, so, like, in show business, like, in camera and, like, makeup, like, men wear makeup, but it takes a significantly more, like, larger amount of time for women to get ready and more makeup for women to, like, presentable for television. So, like, for them, people, like, it just gets called silly, but it's what happens. So why yeah. is something that, I just don't, I just, the fact that they called it a silly thing made me really angry, especially to somebody who like has decided to spend her life in sports and go to school, and I've spent now three and a half years going to school for it just to hear, oh well it's too much much of a silly thing for you, you can't, you shouldn't be involved, and they're just stupid.
0: Yeah. And when I asked him more about his genetics argument, he said, well he's raising two children, and his son is more invested in sports than his daughter is, which is like, cultural is first of all cultural and one example does not you know show anything i mean i care about sports a lot my brother does not care about sports my dad does not care about sports so, like,
1: but so like even so like with like raising two children and being like my son and i'm not even saying like him necessarily just an example of like if somebody had a son and a daughter you can't be like my son is more into sports and then along the way you've only offered him sports toys or sports clothes or things like that because even like back when mcdonald's used to have like very like gender like reserved toys it was always like athletes for the boys like athlete action figures or cars and then there was always like barbie dolls for the girls yeah that's and just that's, like a societal alignment and that's
0: the issue is that our society does have this complete set of gender roles for girls versus boys and that's not even getting into the host of issues that you have for trans or non-binary kids and the like sports is so designated masculine that when a girl wants to like sports it's always assumed it's for ridiculous reasons like oh you must think the players are hot
1: or oh you must like it because you're trying to get the attention of a boy so like with that too it's just like when you think of like some people think of like when they're having a baby like oh I can't wait to give him like his first like bat or his first like golf club like it's always like a normally it's like a more sports driven object for a boy or it's like I can't wait to get till she like dresses up as a girl so there's things like that but then when you're saying like with the girls can't like sports unless people are like attractive or they have like more of a feminine aspect to it that's just stupid. Yeah, because, and I get like when people argue or get the point they're trying to make when people argue. Well, men don't connect with women's sports as much because it's not women who's playing them. So how can they connect, watching other males do things when they can't see themselves? But you can. Like, you're not seeing yourself as a male athlete. You're seeing yourself with somebody has the same similar backstory or the same religion, skin color like gender identification like whatever like things like that like a little girl can look up to a male athlete who maybe lost his father just as much as she can look up to a female athlete who lost her father
0: yeah and it extends beyond people who are on the field or ice or whatever the designated playing area of a a sport is and it extends into the people who are reporting on that sport, people who are talking about it. If you don't have a diverse group of people that are reporting on the sport, you don't, first of all, you don't get a diverse group of perspectives and you also don't show children that are coming up that they can do these things. Like the only people who can see themselves being sports reporters are boys. And that's why you get a lot of sports children in schools, majority male, because they're the only ones who can see themselves in this in this workforce.
1: Yeah so I think that like representation is extremely important and I feel like in that aspect it's a problem. We're like not as diverse of a group as represented but I still think that like it's unfair to give women or young girls or whatever stage of life the opportunity to connect with males and male athletes and like still engage in the game instead of calling it silly things that women shouldn't care about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just I I don't know, it just it's just stupid and I feel like personally I don't think that anything should be gender aligned. Like no. that. Like regardless of like what you identify as, you should be able to enjoy what you enjoy and take pleasure in what you take pleasure in and be a part of whatever you want to be a part of and for somebody to be like, you can't do that because your X, Y, and Z is stupid. Yeah,
0: and this whole argument basically originated because The Athletic, which for those of you who don't know is a sports news subscription site, announced an expansion to the Bay Area. Um, The Athletic has often prided themselves on being the new wave of sports media and having a diverse group of characters, Um, but made-up call found a list of all of their uh, writers and pointed out that out of 62 reporters, only nine of them are women and the vast majority of them are white males, which obviously led to the whole conversation about why aren't there more women in sports media, especially a, a group and a publication that is trying to press themselves and pride themselves on being diverse and new.
1: Yeah, like, unfortunately, like, the singular issue of, like, white males outnumbering the amount of women isn't new. And it's not singularly applied to the athletic.
0: No, it's it's definitely not.
1: It's, it's when you start, like, advertising yourself as a certain thing that you run into more issues. Yeah.
0: So, and I know, know that part of the issue with sports writers is that when you're hiring people for these new positions, you're going to reach out to people that you know personally. And the problem with that is that people you know personally are going to be people who are probably also white males because that's who's been able to establish themselves in this community so far.
1: Yeah, so like I know from experience that a majority of sports jobs that open up are opened up in house first. So, like, if an organization needs a new PR manager or whatever, it's opened up in-house, anybody from in-house can apply, or if a personal recommendation is made from in-house. So you're getting all the same group, the same people who sing it out in the same social circles who do the same things that are continually hired. You're not opening the prospect pool up to people with diverse backgrounds to send their application in to see what like experience they have. So when you do that, you exclude a whole a whole other sections of society that don't match your own. Absolutely.
0: And it's it's been pretty obvious that that's how the writers for The Athletic have been selected. And it's really unfortunate because it should be this new awesome opportunity for everyone. Instead, it's a new awesome opportunity for a very select group of people. I just... And you also have places like the new... Boston um, Boston Sports Journal opening up that has, that's going to be in a similar vein to The Athletic and a similar vein to DK Pittsburgh Sports, if you know. We've actually had a lot of controversies behind the scenes. Um, and the, all of their writers are white men. And one of the things that they said on their site was that it was going to be a 100% politics-free zone. We want this to be an oasis from the outside world and there's a huge problem with that in that it in this day and age you can't really just stick to sports it's really irresponsible but of course when you have a group of mostly straight cissexual white men they are coming from this place of privilege where they can say you know we don't have to worry about how these politics affect sports because it doesn't matter for us
1: it's just like inherently anything that involves a human being with like emotions and opinions and feelings can lend itself to being looked at politically
0: absolutely and you do have so many political issues that are coming up in sports lately I mean with the case of Colin Kaepernick you can't separate what's happening in Colin Kaepernick's professional sports life from the politics that are within it you also can't separate from, you know, the women's US, the USA women's hockey boycott, the level of racism that is inherent among Boston sports fans, potentially queer and trans folks that are going to be on sports teams and whose lives are going to be affected by politics going on around them. And you can't just report on sports and not report on these outside factors. It's irresponsible.
1: Yeah, so like, especially if if this site plans to have features. So let's say you're featuring an athlete. Do you only feature athletes then that whose background isn't questionable, who has never faced turmoil in their life, who's never faced anything that could remotely be made political? Because these people's experiences and what goes on in society and, like, the obstacles that you face and like the judgment or like whatever has led you to that point in your life is who's made you who it's what drives you when you wake up in the morning it's what you think about when you go to bed at night it's what fuels you on the field or on the ice or like, whatever you're playing so you can't just ignore aspects of human beings in a sport that's played by humans so unless you want to have a sport that's played by robots well that's a computer game <laughs> then you can't have something that's 100 percent politic like politics free
0: yeah, and by bringing in a more diverse staff and trying to bring in more diverse opinions, you're opening yourself up to having a much better possibility of properly covering these sports because you do have people who know what's going on, and you do have people who have had, you know, maybe shared experiences rather than the continual typical straight is white male.
1: And like so, like kind of, kind of like jumping off of this and going back a little bit to women working in sports. I can't tell you how often as a woman who's worked in professional male sports how often you hear like oh well like she hasn't played like i hate that she hasn't or he or she hasn't played the game. So like I'm not devaluing the expertise or the experience or the opinion of somebody who has played the game. That's not the point. I 100% think that somebody who has played the sport brings a perfect like a uh, Unique viewpoint and lens to something that other people cannot. But that's also the same for people who have not played the sport, also bring their own unique viewpoints and lenses to view the game through. Yeah. So, like, so you have somebody who's played the game who can be so focused on, like, the game issues, who doesn't think to look outside the box and, like, look at profiles. Like, one of the most popular pieces of sports media are profiles and features or whatever where you get to know especially now in this day and age where we're more embracing the personality of players so maybe somebody who plays the game doesn't look at that aspect more but somebody who hasn't played the game has more of a viewpoint of a personal like a personal aspect where they get to know these players more and so like to say that like women can't cover things or people who play the game can't cover things is just doing a disservice to the sports media industry as a whole
0: absolutely absolutely
1: I just, I just, it just blows my mind when people are like, women can't cover X, Y, and Z sport. Because they they can't.
0: it all, it all honestly just goes back to basic abhorrent sexism. And it's so infuriating, honestly,
1: I just... It's just frustrating because like, most of the people that I've met in sports are women who do amazing jobs like Katherine Silverman who's one of my best friends does an amazing job of covering hockey she's a woman she's a mother so like what there prevents her from doing her job nothing
0: or what about Josh Vina Shah who's been an amazing college hockey reporter she's honestly in my opinion the best college hockey reporter she's amazing and she constantly has talked about the problems she's faced, not only as a woman, but a woman of color, trying to cover this sport,
1: and it like situations like hers makes me. So, I know Jashmina. I've met Jashmina. Like situations like hers make me so angry, because you have such an amazing person who just wants to do something that they love. That's not hurting people. That's actually adding quality. And she's so good at it. Yeah, and she's adding quality to this larger aspect that as a society everything always needs to have better quality and she's there trying to provide this better quality she has a passion for college sports like almost like no other that I've ever seen for college hockey and just to hear the things that she's gone through the things that she struggled with just like frustrates me it's I don't know it's just it's annoying it's annoying that people like her face struggles it's annoying that like People like Katherine Bogart, who works with you, I reached with USA Hockey and covered how many different levels, how many different championships, like, women like her who succeed to such a high level are still just not valued. And I don't get it. I just physically don't understand.
0: We could go on about this forever about how frustrated we are, but unfortunately, we do have to wrap up at some point. Which,
1: we'll, we'll touch back don't worry if we, we'll be back if we I'm left something sure off we that you want be. us to talk about we'll be back don't worry yeah. <laughs> yeah. this problem unfortunately isn't going away anytime soon but that also means that us complaining about it's not going away anytime soon
0: and so for our reading list this week in keeping with what we've discussed we are doing two pieces by women Taylor do you want to go first
1: sure my piece is um, from Kate on twitter her username is at KNE underscore 14. Um, Kate, we asked your permission to include this this week, and we really want to thank you for letting us. Uh, she wrote an article called Girls Will Be Girls. And I'm just going to read you just the first few lines, because I don't even think I need to read a whole paragraph for you to understand like, how impactful this piece can be. And it says, woman they're just like us they breathe the same air walk the same streets and believe it or not cheer for the same sports teams as you do so just kind of like that theme it's about how she views women fitting in sports as fans and even like professionally and so I think it's just a really good read in light and it came out this week in light of everything that's been happening um no she just reposted it this week she just reposted it this week okay well, so it first got my attention this week, but it just is really timely, and I think that it's a good read for everybody. I think you all enjoy it, and I think that it's nice to send some love Kate's way,
0: because she did a really good job
1: summarizing her thoughts, and a lot of the same thoughts as I've had personally, too. So,
0: Absolutely. My piece this week is actually a documentary, which I will link a. Uh, a YouTube link to so you can watch if you would like. It's called When Football Banned Women. Um, after the First World War in the UK, there was a huge women's soccer league in the UK. Basically what happened is the women would be working in factories making ammunitions and those factories would have women's, sports te- women's soccer teams and they would play against each other. Um, it was super popular. There were totally sold out games. There was women that became legends from this it is amazing and then shortly after that the game was banned partially because feeding into that great age-old stereotype that the game was too rough for women that they were too dainty and it wasn't you know appropriate but also what was said was that not all the proceeds from the game went to charity which is what it was supposedly set up for in the beginning, but actually it was because the Football Association in the UK wanted the money and the attention to go to the men's game rather than the women's game. So there was a ban for 50 years in uh, the UK on women's professional soccer. And the ban obviously completely set back the game in the UK and now they're having a hard time developing it. And this documentary is just amazing because it talks to a some professional women's players, it talks to some youth players, and they all just talk about, you know, when they were growing up and they were playing soccer, they were ashamed to talk about the fact that they played soccer because it was so looked down upon. I keep saying soccer, someone is gonna get mad at me because it's actually football, but.
1: It's harder. I live in the the states. yeah.
0: Um, And it's just a really interesting look at, you know, where the sport might have been and what may have come of the game if it wasn't for the ban. Um, I'm just gonna read a quick, the thing from a write-up on it from the Telegraph. Um, The story centered on a munitions factory in Preston whose female workers came to make the Dick Care FC ladies. Once the nation's biggest team and for whom the indomitable Parr was the star striker. She was openly lesbian, lived with another woman, and had a sledgehammer shot known to crack crossbars. A male professional goalkeeper once taunted Parr that she couldn't score past him. Her penalty promptly broke his wrist. She's just such a badass <laughs> and the, the documentary focuses on her and the other women, ladies of the Dick Kerr Ladies FC and he was just really inspiring and really cool and you know I played soccer all when I was a kid and I, I always looked up to people like Mia Hamm, she was my idol Absolutely. I had her poster on my wall and everything. And this was honestly before I knew I was queer too. So I just thought I like adored her. I didn't realize like I had a big crush on her, but it's for another time. Um, But I, you know, as with all women's sports, I just really hope that the progress can be made where it was just set back years by absolute sexism. It's really unfortunate.
1: So, as always, if you've made it this far, we want to thank you for listening. Um we just want to take a second in general to thank anybody who has followed us on Twitter, who has subscribed on iTunes, who has reached out, who has liked things, who has tweeted us, we got an email. We one love you guys. As fun as this is for me and Maya to do this podcast. We also hope to in a way like as much as we can make a difference and to reach some of you guys and to provide like I said the very first episode. Our goal is just to provide a place where anybody of any background can hopefully find something to connect with and to enjoy, and just to enjoy the different lenses that hockey can be viewed through, or professional sports in general can be viewed through. So we wanted to take a second, and I think both of us were very floored by the amount of support that we received in the first week from one episode. Um, Yeah, we love you guys. So yeah, we just want to thank you if you've listened to anything, um, or if you tweeted us, we've heard you, we've seen you, to hear, I think, for me, the biggest thing was to hear how many people already are so excited to hear uh, our opinions, but then to also have connected in some way with what, something that we've said or who we are has just been great and unbelievable.
0: Absolutely. And... For everyone who's reached out to me about getting the podcast on different platforms, I'm working on it. Some of them take a while, and some of them cost to post on, which unfortunately we cannot do at the moment. Yeah, so we're
1: trying our best, so right now we're on iTunes (laughs) and SoundCloud.
0: And I'm working on getting us on a few other platforms, but some of them take a while to approve, and we can't get on the paid ones, unfortunately, because... We are doing all this out of our own pockets at the moment, so we yeah, don't so have to,
1: if you have any questions, comments, concerns, wanna continue to reach out, um, please do. We're available on Twitter. We have an email link and you can always leave us a review on iTunes or comment on SoundCloud. Absolutely.
0: And now to wrap up, we have our real or fake headlines. Are you ready, Taylor? Got some good ones. Yeah. Let's go. <clears throat> Boston Bruins. What is the plan moving forward? That has to be real. It is real. Woo iSports web it it is real it is real okay is Colton Pareko's contract holding his team back this is real no
1: really it's from hockey Tweetbot. it's cynical enough that mainstream hockey media is gonna write that in like two days he just got the contract though like a little little soon somebody's gonna write it I can guarantee you somebody's gonna be like Oh, I need something to write. It's in the middle of the off season. <laughs> Let's write about how X player can ruin X team with X contract.
0: <laughs> okay. Shiro lays his reputation on his year. Real. It is real. It's 518 sports.
1: hope it works out for him. So I'm two for one, or two for three right now.
0: Okay. The Arizona Coyotes could be deceptive this year, according to Wayne Gretzky. False. You're right, it is fake.
1: I almost said real and then I was like, why is rank like why is Gretzky touching the coyotes again? And then I got a little concerned.
0: He loves to talk about things that he doesn't actually have any place talking about.
1: I mean he ran <laughs> them into bankruptcy, he can talk about that.
0: Fair enough. Okay guys, thanks for listening this week. Uh, continue to send us stuff. We love all of you for the support. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye
1: follow the podcast on twitter at we are outliers and follow the girls at home not a hotel and at taylor sedona don't forget about the outliers